How's it going, everybody? It's your favorite apostates. I'm McKay. I'm Jordan. And I'm I'm wearing two pieces of the same band's merch today. I don't know if that's annoying, but we're doing it because I needed to wear a hat. My hair's a wreck. We're just going... We we are on the tail... I, I can't even really say the tail because it's just been an endless circle of somebody's sick, it's miserable, another person gets sick, it's miserable... We're speed running immune systems in this house right now, and it's just been an awful go for us lately. So, please spare us. Forgive us. For <laughs> Forgive sense. us for our absences. We're trying as hard as we can. We still stream every single week, every chance that we get, because that is usually the times when nobody is coughing or throwing up or anything. <laughs> So if you don't check out our weekly streams, you can find us every night or every week, Tuesday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, which is 9 p.m. Pacific. Nope. Which is... (laughs) 9 Eastern. Which is 9 p.m. Eastern and 6 p.m. Pacific Time. Finally got it. Just another few things before we start the show. First off being, I don't know if you know this, we have a special candle that we made in collaboration with the Exmo Candle Co. It's awesome. It's called Self-Care Day. It smells like Jordan looks, which is amazing. It's citrusy. It's like pineapple-y. Let's see. It says pineapple, agave, and tart goji berry. I have it over there off camera. It's the anthropology uh, it's, candle. It. That was the inspiration. It's amazing. We love it. Great to pair with your self-care day. Not really a winter scent, but if you're like us, you want it to be summer all year round, even when there's snow on the ground. So check that out. Small business. They plant a tree with every uh, jar or with every candle that you buy. The jars are upcyclable and everything. It's awesome. Go check it out. We'll put the link down in the description. Also, today we have an amazing sponsor and we're going to throw it back in time where the lighting was a little less great and uh, tell you about our awesome sponsor. You know what's funny, Jordan? What? I don't believe in Adam and Eve, but you know who has great deals? Who? AdamandEve.com, our sponsor for today. Adam and Eve is the leading adult toy company in the USA, and for more than 50 years, they have built up a reputation as a trusted and reliable adult toy store that takes pleasure and privacy seriously. Their shipping is always discreet, so you don't have to worry about things being given away when it shows up on your porch if you're looking to fight purity and shame culture that maybe you grew up with and that's something that you're deconstructing then adamandeve.com has a great deal for you you can head over to adamandeve.com right now and use code jordan50 you can see it right here on screen sorry for the listeners to get 50 percent off one item and free shipping anywhere in the united states and canada with some exclusions applying and you can help make a difference because 20% of their profits goes to help fight the spread of HIV around the world. So you can feel good about your purchase in more ways than one. So thank you to Adam and Eve for sponsoring the video. <sighs> okay, we are back to the present day. Uh, thank you, Adam and Eve, for sponsoring this video. You're awesome. We love you. Make sure you go and check it out. It's awesome. Every single time that we run an ad with them, we have people messaging us, thanking us. That's not hyperbole. We get messages about it all the time. So 
Thank you. And let's get on with it. So today's topic is a little bit out of the norm um, for what we usually do. We get a lot of people who ask us about like Mormon intertwined with like true crime type stuff. Um, True crime is not our thing. But when there is an intersection between Mormonism and that kind of thing, it warrants a conversation. I feel like at least some of the time we did do a video a long time ago about um, Chad Daybell and Lori Vallow in that uh, true crime murder case. It's an old video, an old video, a low effort video. So we could probably remake that. But <laughs> um, nonetheless, this is another true crime, cr- true crime case. This is older. Um, this was 1977. This is McKay's brainchild. <laughs> um, so I will be taking a... A sidecar. Yeah. You're, you're going to be the sidecar because you're my, I was going to say side piece, but she's the main piece. <laughs> Rude. Wow. <laughs> Confessions on the air. Uh-oh. I have a second family. Just kidding. Anyway, I, Jordan originally posed this idea to me. And I was like, I don't know if there's enough here. I didn't really do too much research into it. All I heard was that there was a kidnapping. And I was like, well, maybe that's similar to um, there's a 1999 or 1998 kidnapping that happened in Saratov, Russia. That was similar where two missionaries were kidnapped. And that led me into looking at other. There was like some politically motivated assassinations by revolutionary groups in South America on LDS missionaries. So I thought that was kind of interesting. So I went back around after kind of doing a surface level evaluation of those things. And then I got into this first case and I was like, okay, I don't think we're going to be able to talk about any of this other stuff. Cause every time I would like go step away and come back, there was some new weird thing about this case that I found. And even at this point, there's a lot of different stories just because of the nature of the events and a lot of different facts that will go on unconfirmed or incorrect and everything like that. So I had never heard about this before. Jordan had told me about it. And it was in the news recently because they're looking at making a um, like a docudrama, I guess is the word to describe it. Anyway, this is the the 1977 case of the Manacled Mormon is what it was referred to by just about all of the news media and everything. Uh, But it was a kidnapping case involving a Mormon missionary named Kirk Anderson and a former Miss Wyoming. Gasp. And you'll never guess it. The former Miss Wyoming Joyce McKinney was actually the captor and not the victim. So I was really surprised about this and kind of intrigued, but it gets weirder. Like as you go deeper, but I'm going to go into it chronologically. That way it makes a little more sense. Cause a lot of these sources that I found didn't have a lot of citations and they didn't go in chronological order. So it got really 
weird. So it starts in 19, oh, sorry. Probably, they, they never mentioned a date, but in 1975, it seems, Kirk Anderson, who was 19 at the time, was attending BYU. Ew. Ew. Boo. I couldn't pinpoint exactly where he grew up, but at the time he was living at BYU, and later on in his life, he settled in Utah, so... I'm going to say that he's from Utah, although I could be wrong. There's probably other sources out there, but free available on the internet, I was not able to find. So Kirk Anderson is attending BYU in 1975, and Joyce McKinney also decides that she is going to leave where she lived in South Carolina. North Carolina. In North Carolina. And moved to Utah to study drama. Now, this was kind of an interesting development because she had recently been baptized a member of the Mormon Church. And it has been said that a big motivating factor for her joining the Mormon Church was for her love for the Osmonds, which we have discussed in the past, which is... We have a video about them. Yeah, we have a video about that. Um it's kind of interesting to see in real time <laughs> the effects that the Osmonds had, the chokehold that the Osmonds had on the public in becoming Mormon. So that was kind of interesting. It's also been alleged that she initially had moved out because she wanted to pursue a relationship with one of the Osmond brothers. <laughs> I don't know the logistics behind that or if that's even true. I definitely understand it. They're all good-looking guys. She was aiming high. So, shoot for the moon, and if you miss, you'll land among the stars, I guess, is the saying, right? Anyway, she and him, they're both living in Utah, and they end up linking up, right? So, they start a relationship, which is a little strange, because she's six years older than him. Um, honestly, that doesn't bother me, but... It could be seen as a little strange in the Mormon dating sphere because we don't care about Mormon culture. Yeah. Pre-mission man dating an, a woman who is much older than him is really weird, especially when a lot of return missionaries come home and they marry freshmen in college mm -hmm. or younger, you, sometimes. So they had a relationship and allegedly, I'm going to be using that a lot here because there's a lot of unconfirmed Allegedly. Allegedly. Allegedly, they had some sexual escapades that resulted in McKinney becoming pregnant. Scandal. Yes. And subsequently, her miscarrying the pregnancy. Now, this is obviously a pretty stressful event, especially, I would imagine, for a student attending BYU, where you have to upload the honor code and remain sexually pure. It would be extra um, nerve-wracking and guilt-inducing. So, allegedly, <laughs> he confessed this sin to his bishop, and it seems that part of the repentance process was for him to put his papers in and to serve a full-time mission because not soon thereafter he was assigned to work as a missionary in England. The The specific 
mission wasn't listed. I think at the time there maybe were just a handful of missions to choose from. So it is not out of the ordinary for a bishop or a stake president to take a problematic, rebellious youth and basically all but force them to go on a mission. Yeah. To rectify the behavior. Yeah. And as we've discussed previously, in a lot of circumstances, and for all intents and purposes, missionary work is not to baptize new converts. Missionary work is to indoctrinate the missionaries into being lifelong members and tithe payers. So in order to get a hold on him and make sure that he came back to the fold, you put him into constant 24-7 indoctrination where he's trying to get people to join and any sort of like pushback or anything like that ends up being a proof to him that the outside world and people outside of the church are not as good off as those who are inside of the church. This is another reason why I feel like this situation I hadn't heard about because the Saratov kidnapping had a whole fucking movie made about it because these dudes, they main, maintained their faith and everything. They went through this really traumatic experience. They befriended their captor in a way they, in a, at one point or another, they were in a situation where they could have killed their captor to escape and they didn't, and they eventually were let go. And they never even went home after that. They f- served out their missions in other locations. But this is a cert- situation where it's so muddy and everything like that that they try not to bring it up so it doesn't become a stumbling block instead of a stepping stone for faithful conversion stories. Anyway, so he goes off to England. He's working as a missionary. And she holds true that she's devastated that he's gone because he basically left, cut her off and and everything like that. And she's under the impression that he is like a religious prisoner of the church, or at least that's what she claims later. And she wants to save him from his captivity of being a missionary, which... In a lot of cases, I would consider being captive because when you go to a foreign country, a lot of times they confiscate your passport like they did to me. And she hires a private investigator to go and figure out where he is assigned in his mission in England. So she hires this private investigator. He figures out where he's at and she flies out to go and find him in England. This is part where it gets a little muddy um, because a man named Keith May was apprehended with her as an accomplice, but there are conflicting parts of the story, so it's kind of hard to tell. But as articles and things have outlined, she recruited Keith May, who then helped her to kidnap Anderson. From, so apparently, <laughs> it's it's this shit is so weird. Apparently, Keith posed as an investigator into Mormonism and got an appointment to meet up with Anderson and his companion. And then when they got there, 
there's not even confirmed evidence on this, but apparently there were two decommissioned revolvers that they used and chloroform to kidnap Anderson, where they after thereafter uh, drove 200 miles to a little rental property that she had in Devon, where she then handcuffed him to the bed and sexually assaulted him for three days. Now, obviously, this is not something to be joked about or anything, and there's a lot of unconfirmed things about this. McKinney holds true that she met up with Anderson, and he willingly got in her car and left with her, and everything was consensual and everything like that. But on this channel, we believe the victims, so we're going to go with Anderson's version of the story where he had a gun held to his head and was forced to drive with them to Devon, where this happened. So after the three days, Anderson says that he was able to get away from her when he finally gave in and um, said he was willing to marry her. So after she loosed his bands, obviously he went straight to the police (laughs) and was like, hey, my ex-girlfriend just kidnapped me and held me as a sex prisoner for three days straight. Uh, Maybe come and get her. Um, I was reading on the the Wikipedia website, and apparently this is another thing that I don't know. There was different parts of the story. The kidnapping happened for sure. He went missing on September 14th, 1977. No doubting that. But three days after it said... He went to the police, but the date on that was like September 19th. And then in the Wikipedia article, it said that she was, they set up a sting and she was arrested on the 21st. So honestly don't know what happened there. So she may have been arrested on the 19th. She may have been arrested on the 21st. It's hard to say because... There's so many conflicting stories and everything like that. And we'll get on to why that is in just a second here. So she, Joyce McKinney, and Keith May were apprehended for the kidnapping of Kirk Anderson in England. And they were set to be tried the following year, April of 1978. Leading up to this, obviously, there you don't get to trial immediately, but there was a lot of stuff going on. Um, the charges, since the uh, the Sexual Offenses Act of 1956 was in effect, charges of the R word uh, in England were not able to be brought against a woman at the time. So that one was off the table. They were only going to be charged for, or they were only charged for the crimes of kidnapping and indecent assault of a man. So I think the charges would have been a lot less because of that. And I mean, this is the 70s. Shit was kind of ass backwards in a lot of cases. And to think that a woman couldn't be charged for that crime against a man is kind of wild. Obviously, we know who the aggressor tends to be in those situations. But men, it happens to all the time. And... Laws like this, I think, have this ripple effect even to today where a lot of that just kind of goes unnoticed. 
Uh, so during this time, McKinney was granted bail because of her failing mental health. I only found that in one source. I wasn't able to corroborate that anywhere else. So what is failing mental health? We all have failing mental health, honestly, just mentally unstable. Um, but it is a little strange that she was granted that on that basis because she was spotted in several high-profile clubs out around London during this period. And I thought, man, maybe they're just trying to smear her or whatever. But here's a picture of her with Keith Moon, the drummer of The Who, at the premiere of Saturday Night Fever in 1978. March 23rd, 1978, which was only a month before their trial was supposed to, uh, their case was supposed to go to trial. So I guess she wasn't too stressed about it. Is that a thing in England? Do they let people out? Bail? Well, I guess they did. bail for mental health stuff? I don't know. If you're from the UK, let us know how the bail system works. Because here in the United States, it's cash bail. But I feel like in other places, it's not the same. Well, and she likely would have needed to be evaluated if she wasn't competent to stand trial. Yeah. And maybe that's that's why her failing mental health. They're like, oh, she's starting to buckle under the pressure and we need to let her off the hook a little bit so she can stand trial. Honestly, I don't know. There was, like I said, there was only one place that said that and I wasn't able to confirm it anywhere else. So just strange. Their case was set to go to trial in the beginning of May. And on April 12th, 1978, her and Keith May jumped bail and they fled the country. (laughs) They were just like, this, we're out. So uh, later on in June, the Central Criminal Court sentenced them in absentia. Is that how you say that? Absentia. In absentia? In absentia? I don't know. I think it's Latin. And I don't speak Latin. uh, To a year for skipping bail. Although there were no sort of extradition proceedings that were ever filed to this day. So they never caught any sort of jail time or anything like that for doing that. So go you. They were, however, later on arrested by the FBI (laughs) in the United States for uh, making false statements in order to obtain passports. And I think they received a suspended sentence. So I don't think they served any jail time for that either. Cool. So... Really interesting how that happened. So there was never any jail time or any justice or anything like that for Kirk Anderson, as far as I know, which kind of sucks in the scope of everything that's going on. So out of curiosity with what we're talking about, um, there is a lot of stigma attached to male victimization as part of intimate partner violence. Um, you know, we always, we often talk about why women don't report, but there is a lot of stigma also attached to male victims and why they also don't report. And that's not limited to perceptions of like being weak or like emasculation. Yeah. Or there's like, you know, maybe I'll have McKay put up an example or two, but what comes to mind is like, young adult like high school boys who 
get involved with an adult female teacher and then the public response is like yeah get it like oh, this that's kid's so awesome. a legend i would love to have had her as my teacher and it's like no that is a crime buddy no so <laughs> calm down it it's not you know we're, nobody's wondering why there's some serious stigma attached to this so I looked it up to see what the statistics are, and this is from the CDC. So according to the CDC, about one in three men experience contact, sexual violence, physical violence, and or stalking by an intimate partner during their lifetime. And 97% of men who experienced being sexually assaulted, physical violence, or stalking by an intimate partner had only female perpetrators. So that's 97%. So by it extreme margin women perpetrators with intimate partner violence where men are the victim so it is not as uncommon as people yeah. think it is it's when you really look at it on both sides uh on on all sides really because that's not even really considering uh like non-binary people and everything like that Sex crimes are just so fucking common, and it's awful. <laughs> it's so bad. It really is. The breakdown, it looks like, from the CDC is it's one in three women reported having severe physical violence from an intimate partner and one in four men. So, really, it's... Be nice to your people. Yeah. And it's just depressing. Yeah. Jordan coming in here with the the depressing facts. Thanks, Jordan. I know. I'm sorry. But it's, you know, we've talked about this before. And, you know, women are more likely to be murdered by their intimate partner yeah. than anybody else. And it's just really unfortunate, these circumstances. And yeah. I hope that this kid who is now... Who knows where he is now, but I hope he got help. This kid, this guy's like, what is this? <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. He's old now, but yeah. I hope he got help when he hopefully was young. Yeah. It's, it's disappointing. There's a, uh, and for it to be someone that he knew, somebody that he was involved with a, in a relationship with is, is wild. And for her to go to such great lengths is wild um but like i said he was saying that well she was saying that she thought he was like a religious prisoner to the church and everything like that so it's kind of hard to really see where her perception of reality actually was rooted in um and no one really knows what no. she did she have a severe and persistent mental illness like we you know we don't know so yeah well, and I have a couple other things that happened thereafter, after she was arrested by the FBI. Um, in 1984, uh, after Anderson had been married and started his own family, he was working at the Salt Lake City Airport, where she was found and arrested. They searched her car. She was living out of her car at the time oh, no. and claimed that she was like trying to buy an airline ticket at the Salt Lake Airport, even though she was currently a resident in North Carolina again. 
So she was a couple thousand miles away from her home, but she was in her, living in her car trying to buy an airline ticket. Hard to say. But in her car, she had rope and handcuffs, which was reminiscent of the thing that she had done several years prior. And she, more condemning, she had a notebook of the goings-ons of Anderson and where he would go. She had a little log of all that stuff. As far as I know, she, there's here's the mugshot. This is the, the one that they have on Wikipedia. She, she didn't go to jail or anything like that. There was nothing really done. I think they just booked her and charges might have been dropped. I can't find anything any information on that situation. Um, that was one of the, the end parts. So maybe there's stuff out there that I just didn't see. But kind of odd. Yeah. And then I have another couple just weird things <laughs> about her at the end. After that, in 2008, she popped up in the news again in South Korea because she was the owner of the first ever dog to be cloned. Her dog, Booger, <laughs> a pit bull terrier, was cloned and she was in the papers but in that situation, she went by her middle name, which is Bernan. She went by Bernan McKinney. And initially, people started connecting the dots, and she denied it. She was like, no, that's not me. And then they figured it out. Oh, this is the same Joyce Bernan McKinney that kidnapped the guy in England in the 70s. So that kind of spurred a documentary in 2010 called Tabloid by... Um, Errol Morris that detailed a lot of the the stuff that was going on with the media because when all of this had come out and the reason why they call it Manacled Mormon was because of all of the headlines and all of the stories that were being run in the UK regarding this case and everybody was just looking for the next scoop. So anybody who could find something, that was the big thing for the day. And everybody was all up in arms about it. The Church of Scotland, I think, had even came out and made a statement <laughs> against the media perpetrating this filth and everything like that. Did the church and ever make any comments on this? I didn't find anything about the church making any comments on this, um, which I... I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I would imagine they would want to stay away from this with it as much vigor as possible. Um, I think the Daily Mail even said they were they prided themselves in not running the story at all to the point where they were like, the Daily Mail, the newspaper without Joyce McKinney or something like that. Anyway, so because of all that stuff that was going on, there's a lot of like weird, like multiple different accounts of the events and extra information in there that was just added in and the fact that this never went to trial nobody ever testified the first thing that came to mind when i read about this was like well obviously they just get the companion to tell what happened because he has to have a companion with him at all times right but there was no testimony of that because it never went to trial well i guess it technically went it went to trial but i mean when nobody's there to stand trial i don't think they really call witnesses or anything like that so I don't know, honestly. <laughs> and it's different because it's it's the UK. But anyway, they made this 2010 documentary about the events. Um, and 
one of the interesting new pieces of information in that was um, details about her earlier work as a sex worker. And initially, like I read that little bit and I was like, oh, that kind of seems scummy. It seems not the sex like work a, part. Yeah, that they would bring this up as like proof that she's like this sex craze maniac or whatever. Um, and then in 2016, McKinney actually filed a lawsuit against Errol Morris because she said it misrepresented a lot of the events and things like that. But the case was dismissed because she was largely involved in the making of this documentary and very eager to help them with the events. So I don't know. It's just such Maybe she a was weird struggling situation. With yeah. So we. Honestly, we, we don't really know. And like I said earlier, we, we're going to continue to believe the the victim. But it does bring up some weird things. Like we've talked about before, people will lie to maintain their good standing with the church in a lot of cases. And I'm not saying that's what he did, but it does make you kind of wonder. Maybe that could have been a component because... I mean, there's nothing saying that that didn't happen. I'm just stuck on the fact that they thought that her being a sex worker was like some kind of explanation for her behavior. Yeah. Well, that's what in a lot of cases they do. And that's why initially I was like, this is this is scummy that they would bring that up in order to do it, especially Mm. in like 2010. I mean, we support sex workers on this channel. We've said that before, but I'll say it again. People who are sex workers are not sex crazed maniacs who are going to commit crimes. Yeah, that's that's definitely not going to be the motivation. Um, it's just coincidental. The brain doesn't like ambiguity. It wants answers. Yeah. So if they're like, oh, it's because she was a sex worker, then yeah. people can like be at rest with it. It would be the same as it, me saying, oh, he's lying because he was on a mission and he didn't want to get sent home and be outed as a sinner. Yeah. So I'm not going to assume that and I'm not going to assume that her being a sex worker means anything in the relation to completely irrelevant as far as motive in my opinion the place where this ended was for me and my being able to find anything was most recently in 2019 there was a man in california a 91 year old man who was hit by a 2006 gmc pickup truck Um, And it was found out that uh, Joyce McKinney was the owner of that truck and she was actually living out of it. Um, So the man, she was arrested on manslaughter charges because the man did pass away. And interestingly enough, I don't know why Wikipedia (laughs) left this out, but the man was a Holocaust survivor, which just seems to make things worse. I don't know what... What more weird things could happen in this woman's life? Um, But she, after doing um, psychological evaluations, they they had to put off her trial. And at this point, she's 70 years old. So they were thinking of making accommodations. She had psychological evaluations done and her trial was pushed back to 2020. And then in 2020, she was evaluated again. And they had to push it back again because they uh, didn't find her uh, able to stand trial. And then her hearing was set 
for August 2020, and that's where it ends. I couldn't find anything after that. There was no entries and whether she was reevaluated again or if she if the charges were dropped or anything like that. We I don't know. It just dropped off. I even looked. I was like um Holocaust ban slaughter case 2019 nothing. No updates that I could find. So if anybody knows what ended up happening, please in the comments, <laughs> let us know. This was most recently, the judge was in Van Nuys, California. And this happened in 2020. I don't know where it was the, is it in Los Angeles? I guess North Hollywood. And the accident. Yeah, the accident happened in North Hollywood, but the she was going to stand trial in Van Nuys. The incident was captured on surveillance video? Yeah, that's how they were able to find her, because they, they saw the car, and then they were able to recognize it because she was uh, living in her car. And she had been the subject of frequent police reports. As many homeless people are, needlessly, in a lot of cases. So she was ruled... Or deemed incompetent to stand trial. So there probably was some potential mental illness things going on. Doesn't justify or excuse behavior, but, or even explain. Yeah. But does offer some perspective. But yeah, that's the, uh, that's all we know about Joyce McKinney. <laughs> it's just, it's just so wild that I had never heard of this because. I feel like this would be big because I remember hearing about political assassinations of missionaries and everybody went crazy over the Saratov approach movie. And, um, even in my mission, there was talks in the area of like missionaries within the last few, like decade or so, multiple missionary kidnappings. And there was a case of a carjacking of a mission president that led to him because of his, uh, health condition led to him passing away so things like this happen and the mormon church is rich and the missionaries ending end up being cannon fodder because the perception of the church is that there's money to be taken from them and honestly in a lot of cases there is a lot of money to be taken but she made five clones of her dog there were five of them? Yeah, and it said she was subsequently charged with plotting to have a teenager break into a house to raise funds for a prosthetic leg for uh, her horse. Oh, I forgot to put that in my notes, yeah. What the f*** is that a sentence? <laughs> this is the most wild shit I've ever heard. Cloning a dog, asking a teenager to break into a house to raise funds per a prosthetic leg for a horse. Every time I looked into this, I, it was just something else that I couldn't believe. I this was is just freaking so wild. crazy. So maybe we will talk about some of those other crimes someday. I, I wanted to relate them to this, but this is just like so... There's nothing you can really relate anything to this. It's just so unique and strange. And her co-conspirator died in 2004? Yeah. Interesting. They didn't really have any details on that, huh? Mm-mm. It says that Anderson is now a real estate agent and shies away from publicity. Well, I wonder why. Hopefully he's doing well. We wish him all the best. 
Um, having sex before marriage is not a sin, by the way. It's it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. There's there's greater evidence that nothing is going to happen to you if you do that than there is evidence <laughs> that something will happen to you if you do that. <laughs> Maybe they'll come out with another documentary about it. Yep, they're going to come out with that docudrama. I think uh, Maisie Williams... I've never watched Game of Thrones, but I'm pretty sure she's from Game of Thrones, is going to play the part of Joyce McKinney. You can go and check out uh, Tabloid. I don't know where you can watch it, but you can oh find my God, out this guy? this guy. Oh, it's that guy from The Good Doctor. Yeah. I don't I don't know his name. What is it? Uh, Freddie Highmore. Freddie Highmore is going to play Kirk Anderson. Looks like the the... Oh, the yeah. movie is going to be called Sinner versus Saints. Freddie Highmore of Good Doctor and Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones. Yeah, I was right. Nice. Will be directed by Tim Kirby with Fleabag. Kirkby. Kirkby. Interesting. Okay. It says filming is set to begin next year. So they haven't started okay. yet, it sounds like. And I guess it's based on a book that was written about the case. Yeah, I believe the... Oh, Joyce McKinney in the case of the Manacled Mormon. So if you'd like to do some reading, you can check that out. Well, the end kind of went off the rails there. <laughs> See, at any time you just type that into Google, you can find something new. It is bizarre. It's Prosthetic strange. horse leg is not what I anticipated coming out of this. So. <laughs> what a wild ride. What a wild ride. I don't, I don't know what to how to sum this up really if mormon investigative reporting crime stuff is interesting to you let us know <laughs> let us know <laughs> let us know. know we don't generally do this kind of thing i don't watch or listen to true crime because i am too sensitive and it makes me paranoid and it makes my anxiety worse but i understand the appeal yeah. So, and there are definitely, we could probably redo our Chad and Lori Daybell video because that's a good example of Mormon extremism. Yeah. I think the the point I really wanted to bring home here was um, be nice to the missionaries. <laughs> that's what I originally wanted to be talking about because a lot of times they get held up because of the image of the church having money or they end up being pawns in a political um, demonstration that they didn't even know was going on just because the church said, Hey, you're going there. And that's where they ended up. So they become political assassination victims and things like that. And lots of other crimes happen to missionaries and, I'm not going to say that they're justified because what missionaries do in essence is not good. In a lot of cases, they do help people, but the message that they're preaching is harmful. Um, it serves to extract 10% of people's earnings and give it to the Mormon church. Colonization was a big reason for the uh, neocolonialism was a big reason for those uh, political assassinations. So I'm not saying it was justified, but I definitely 
see that uh, the reasoning behind that. And it is absolutely an expectation to go now more than it's ever been. They've been peddling it yeah. like nobody's business. But I'll have McKay put it up. There was an article that I read not too long ago where a man here in Utah was arrested for like beating the shit out of his son because he said he didn't want to go on a mission. So yeah. this is like the rhetoric around missions. It is like absolutely an expectation. And so you have to hold space for these kids that while they're what they're doing generally can cause harm at the same time, one, they're indoctrinated Two, they're generally yeah. like 18 or 19 years old. And three, some of them don't want to be there. There's plenty yeah. of missionaries that have popped up in the r slash ex Mormon subreddit who were like, I am just trying to get through these two years as best yeah. as I possibly can. So keep that in yeah. mind when you're dealing with them. And when you see stuff like that, comments like, you're an adult, you can do whatever you want. They're not helpful because, like I said, I was a missionary in Honduras. When I got there, they confiscated my passport. I could not leave the country unless I got my passport back from them. And if I did want to leave, there would be a lot of pushback and rearranging my companionship situation or whatever in an effort to get me to stay. They would do everything that they could. Yeah, you can't just be like, I want to go home. Like you can, but you're generally going to be met with resistance. And generally, a lot of them end up being like shamed into staying, basically. Yeah, that hap- I my final companion, that's what happened. And I was the last ditch effort to get him to stay. And after, he, I thought he was a good guy. And he had a lot of troubles. He was like a convert to the church. Uh, he was from, he told me, the jungle of Peru. And a lot of people didn't understand his accent and things like that because he lived like right on the border of Brazil. And he had a really tough time. I was tasked with keeping him there. And instead of putting our nose to the grindstone, I tried everything that I could to just have a chill time. And while I was with him, he stayed there. And as soon as I was gone, he left. So it's kind of interesting be nice to the missionaries because you don't really know what they're going through. But you don't have to let them in your tolerate, house and yeah, don't indoctrinate you. Yeah. But you can, you know, if they're out in the heat of summer in black pants and a long sleeve shirt, like give them water yeah. and let them use your bathroom and send them on their way. Yeah. You don't have to tolerate bullshit, but. Uh, no, you don't. You can have boundaries. Don't don't be the reason why they think that people outside of the church are miserable and terrible. We don't want to reinforce the narrative that the church already has that, you know, people are mean to the missionaries and then they're like, well, yeah, these are, you know, fallen people that we need to convert because they're so mean to us Mormons. And so yeah. <laughs> we don't want to reinforce that narrative that they already have. We want to disrupt it. So... Anyway, we'll talk about this more in other times, surely. I've got a lot of stories that I could share from my mission and things like that. We also have a video about missions. Yeah. So go ahead and check that out. Maybe I'll link it if I remember to. So We always forget. We forget a lot of times. I try to keep notes and put it down. But thank you, everybody who has stuck around. We really appreciate you. Thank you for listening to my ramblings of the research that I did on the internet for the past couple of days. And thank you for bearing with us in our absence the last little while because, man, it has just been stressful. Luckily, Jordan will be done with her semester pretty soon, so we'll be able to 
just do stuff normal for a Ramp little it up bit. a little bit. <laughs> do stuff normal for a little bit, uh, especially through the end of the year. But yeah, if this is something that interests you, if you'd like to hear some more, or you'd like to participate in our live streams or anything like that, make sure you hit the subscribe button down below. If you're listening on a podcasting platform, you can save our podcast. It helps us a lot. We love that. There are consistent viewers or not viewers, listeners on the podcast. So we love all of you, even though you can't see my face, I'm smiling. Um, if you would like to support us in another way, you can become a member of the channel, which is right next to that subscribe button that you should have just hit. Or you can become a patron. Both of them get the same perks. I post to both uh, platforms. YouTube is a little easier because you're already here and you get a little badge that says you're a member of the channel. And when you're in the chat, when you're in the comments, it's pretty cool. Uh, so go and check that out. We have exclusive uh exclusive content for you ad free content it's all fun and you get recognized at the end of each episode so check that out you get to be one of these cool people right here if you would like to follow along with us in our you would know that we were (laughs) sick and all of this stuff if you followed us on instagram you can also get some more content over at tiktok you can find us on both of those at jordan and mckay basically on everything you can find us there under that handle. And then finally we have our discord, which is an amazing community of people that just chat it up and talk. And some are ex Mormons. People are never Mormons. Everybody is awesome. So you can go and join that. It's awesome. It's fun. It's a cool community. Finally, I wanted to mention new merch is coming and a new store is coming. Yesterday I was adding the products into the store I'm basically shaving at least $5 off everything that we had in our old shop. And on things like hoodies, I'm able to take $10 off what it used to be priced. And from the the prints that we've got recently, I'm still waiting on a couple. That's why I haven't put the shop up yet. From some of the prints that we've been getting recently, I think the quality is better because we did um, have some people message us saying that the quality of some of the stuff that we were getting was not great. I put my stuff through washes a couple times and just regular wash cycle and dry cycle got prints peeling and everything like that. So this stuff we're liking it a lot more and I we're hoping that you're all going to like it a lot more. And these two new things, they're pretty awesome. So we'll have an official announcement for that. Um, I'm hoping next week if the, uh, the test prints come, but keep your eyes out for that and check out our candle and check out Adam and Eve use code Jordan 50 for 50% off your order. And we love you and we'll see you next time.